What, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Make breakfast for next door? When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the first and only ever podcast there ever will be on the European Super League with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend... Uber Radley Adams. Hello, mate. You're Uber right. Radley Adams. <laughs> what was that uh, for? Uber Radley Adams. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it just came to me. Do you know what I think we should bring back? Things like Squire and Sir and <laughs> my Lord. I'd Hello, love Squire. That. Yeah, I'd love that. Let's have a Middle Ages chat. Just imagine meeting someone and go, hello, squire, m'lady. <laughs> okay, the last few days have sent me mental. Um, yeah, how are you, mate? absolutely, mate. I'm good, mate. I'm, uh, yeah, very happy that obviously, and look, everything's going to change on the situation because, you know, it existed two days ago and doesn't exist anymore, apparently. But um very happy with the news that the ESL crumbled, but we will get on to that. What about you? How are you yes. doing? You all good? I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're, yeah, I, I just, I think we should, yeah, caveat at the beginning that we are having this conversation at around 10 to 4, and I want to be as specific as, it's 3.53. Yeah. <laughs> That's how specific we need to be because the situation changes so, so yeah. much on Thursday the 22nd. And obviously we've, um, got the, um, we've got the Arsenal fans forum tonight with uh, Josh Conkey turning up. Exactly. There's been rumours circulating about one of the owners of the big six um wanting to sell and kind of from mine and alex's own deductions it seems to be that the only two that really would be kind of currently in the framework would be either abramovich or the cronkies um yeah on that just quickly on that i uh, my suspicion is it's abramovich i think the guy because he did already he did already there was already rumors about abramovich wanting out so and he's been there a lot longer it mm. seems strange to me that, you know, especially considering what's happened, you know, considering they took full ownership, what was it, in 2019, they'd be going this early. I do think the person, by the way, who, uh, did you see the clip on Sky Sports of, uh, there was an owner who came into the director's box and asked which which team oh, that that's their team was. absolutely Stan That's definitely Stan Gronke. Um, but I do think, I think all things considered, I think it's probably Abramovich, because why would you take full ownership of a club last year? I don't think he's ever sold a team, by the way. Like ever, um, and yeah, I just, I just, it, it well, seems. Hopefully, we can get him out because yes. Anyway, he's an absolute fucking leech. Yeah. So obviously, caveating things change. We're also going to try. I mean, we've had. Listen, I'm sure everyone is bored to to death of the conversation around why the Super League is bad, or why the the reasons why there might be opposition. We've had that kind of conversation. We'd love to have a conversation about like basically what it means for Arsenal. Um, and I think yeah. like, what it means for us as fans and what it means for the future, because like, I think there's some fascinating stuff to consider. Um, and yeah, let's just jump into it. Cause I think like the, the feeling for me, and I know we have like a, a little sort of series of questions, but I just want to start off with this, Brad is, is like, this doesn't feel like it's going to go away. And I think a lot of the, the no. rhetoric I see is like around, oh, well, this is, a, this is a win for fans. Um, and this is a, you know, this is a, a, you know, the fan, fan power one. And I'm like, yeah, 
this time. <laughs> but also, but, but I also think it's the, really important to understand that, like, in this situation, it wasn't good guys versus bad guys. Like, it was the bad guys versus the bad guys. UEFA, FIFA, the FA yeah, are just yeah. as corrupt and just We're back as in the hands of brilliant custodians of the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> UEFA and just FIFA. as exploitative as you know, these owners of the top six, at yeah. least almost it was so obviously about money and money grabbing because, you yeah. know, and a lot of it's come out and, you know, fair fucking play to Patrick Bamford for saying something, but it's no surprise that when UEFA's pockets were threatened, that they came out quicker than when they've convicted with, their own players of racial, w- yeah, of like with being the, with racist. The, so. With the moralistic argument as well. And I, I think also, you know, the, the apologies that have come out and just this idea that always, you know, it's a huge win for fans. You know, I just, uh, the apologies mm. that have come out going essentially, oh, you know, we made such a big mistake and we've realised in, in within 12 hours that no, you haven't. You're sorry no, you, you got caught is what happened. You're sorry yeah. that... And it's the rhetoric, the rhetoric that also then came out from UEFA and FIFA um, about this, you know, FIFA, a company whose last president is currently being dragged through the court system because, you know, he sold the World Cup to Qatar. Um, FIFA, who currently has about six and a half thousand deaths of migrant workers' blood on their hands from building the stadiums in Qatar. UEFA, who apparently have now magicked up another four billion pounds to be spread across their European competitions that didn't exist before. All of these corporations are just as corrupt as each other. Mm, And whilst I think that, you know, we wanted to discuss the merits of kind of the European Super League, while I think the European Super League in its current form, because of the way that clubs are owned and run, is abhorrent. I would like I there is a lot of merit in breaking away and taking football away from corporations like FIFA and like UEFA who have done nothing but exploit the game for years and years because they try and play it as a moralistic working class issue. And the the elites on the other side are the ones ruining football. But these Mm. are also the people that then started, you know, trying to charge 15 pounds to watch Burnley versus Sheffield United that sold the rights for for the Champions League, took took free Champions League viewing away from ITV and sold it to BT Sports and put it behind a paywall. All of these companies are as bad as each other. And while this is a win for the fans, and by the fans, I mean, this is a win for the fans of the top six. Because realistically, fans of West Ham United, fans of have nothing to do with this. Because if the six clubs fans had said, you know what, we're fine with it and gone along with it, those owners' pockets would have, wouldn't have been hurt yeah. and the FA were not going to kick them out of the league because if yeah. you kick them out of the league, you kick out 75% of the fan base and your yeah. footballing pyramid and your financial pyramid crumbles. Yeah. Two 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 things to, to just to come back on on that. I mean, firstly is the, yeah, the thing that I, I really think is important. Yes, this is a win. This is, we've won the battle, but we've not won the war, to quote Call of mm-hmm. Duty. <laughs> the, the... There's this. This will just be kicked down the road. Another idea, yeah. another big picture, another thing. And let's and we should discuss. And we'll come to that at some point. But also, there's mm. a there's another thing a component of this where I see a lot of yeah the moralistic side. UEFA coming out, clubs coming out, Sky Sports coming out. You've all got vested interests, and everyone positions Sky themselves. Sports. And everyone kind of positions themselves in a position where they go, oh, well, this is a, you know, I can't believe the clubs are doing this. How ridiculous. 
Gary Neville, the reason you're doing it is because you're fighting for your job. And I understand. And actually, I agree with a lot of what Gary Neville says. I agree with a lot of, you know, what, for example, the statement that Everton came out with. I I agree with what they're saying. But, yeah, but I Evan, think this kind of... Everton were part of the breakaway five. The first breakaway five to create the Premier League. The sure, only, but, and Everton are just as much hypocrites because with the money that Farhad Mashiri has pumped into that club, if they'd have spent that money better, they would be in a much better situation. At the yeah. moment, they're basically a failed Man City. Exactly. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is this idea of sort of, well, you know, there's this non-self-serving group and then this ridiculous, you know, group of self-serving idiots who, you know, six people, mm. it's like... That is not the case. Every and no. listen, what what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Make breakfast for next door? No, you wake up. You you make breakfast for yourself. That's what happens. 100%. People people look after themselves, and there's a certain moral argument that says that that's that's the way the world should be done. And you know, if everyone takes the more conservative route of looking after themselves, the world will be better. That's for another time. The point being to to sit there and make moralistic arguments and go, oh, listen, you know, look at us. We're 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 the ones who are the moral moral ones here. Sorry, if West Ham were approached, if Everton were approached, if Sky Sports were involved in this and could get more money, if Leicester were involved, people, there wouldn't be the level of opposition. The point being, the only moral position in this, for me, is as a fan, going, this will ruin the game. And that's the only, that's the only thing that I think is clear as, 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 as crystal. Is that a phrase? That is is a phrase. On that, on, on that though, mate. I don't think it's clear as crystal. And this is what I've done a fair amount of research. This is what a lot of this shows. It Unfortunately, when you actually look into it, it becomes clear as mud that this would That's ruin the idea that sport <laughs> in this country is a meritocracy. You know, the Premier League and just taking the Premier League, for example, because we're talking about the Premier League, has been in since the 92-93 season. There have been 28 opportunities to reach a top four finish, which is 112 top four finishes across the clubs involved. 17 of those finishes have gone to a club outside of the top four of the top six. Sorry. Outside of these six breakaway clubs over the last 28 years, only 17 times has a club outside of it broken into the top four and in the last kind of 10 to 12 years, it's twice. So you're looking at a situation now where people are are saying that this is ruining the sport uh, as a meritocracy. Sport has been dead since 1993 in that sense, because what it has taken is it's taken Arsenal to have an owner who has run this club into the ground to open a position up into the top four. And, and it's the same with a lot of these clubs. And you look at the fact that the winners of the Premier League, there have only ever been seven, of which only four clubs have won it more than once. United have won it 13 times. Chelsea have won it five times. City have won it four times. Arsenal have won it three times. And then you've got Blackburn, Leicester and Liverpool so who I, have all won it more than uh, one time. You know, I get, 28 yeah. opportunities to win the league and 112 opportunities to finish inside the top four. And only twice has a team outside that top six won the league. And only 17 times has a team outside the top six finished in the top four. And that is because the way that the Premier League is and the way that the funding is allocated has always been geared towards the people at the top. And the people at the top at the time were United, Arsenal, you know, Liverpool, and they have stayed up there for such a long uh, yeah. time. 
I do. I do understand. Yeah, I do understand that, and 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 I agree that there are issues within the the Premier League and the structure of that, and I think there is a um more meritocracy based system that we could move towards a more mm. fair um the thing is you you've got to strike i mean listen i think the, the 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 crystal clear part for me and i will stand by it is that having 15 clubs who can't be removed from a league takes the jeopardy out of sport and that's a that's for me that's oh, 100%. A kind of, that's a parked argument that's that's clear but it I takes the, the jeopardy on, out of european sport yeah, but but Rather but again, than... moving towards it, you'd put all your eggs in that basket because it's more money, and it just yeah. For me, that's a parked argument. That's that's done. Mm. I think on the Premier League, there's definitely improvements to be made, but the problem is, is you've got to, and, and I agree with that on a kind of um, on, on kind of my per- pers- my personal ethics, my personal ethics on that. I agree, but mm. you have to be careful because clubs like Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, and then this other club, what are they called? Toten? Totenham? Spursenham? Spursenham, something. Spursenham? Um, they do, Spursenham. unfortunately, bring a bigger slice of the of the viewership to, to that, to that thing. The proverbial so then, Yeah, and is that, you know, then therefore if you're the person bringing in all the money, so it's a, it's a fine balance. It's a really fine balance. I think there is more to be done. Let's, mm. let's, we've talked about the kind of the, the clear, um, and it's, you know, been massively covered, the kind of clear issues with the ESL. Issues with it, yeah. What do you see as the potential benefits of that system that they, that they put forward? Of the current, of what they put forward? I, yeah. I see no benefit other than the selfish one as an Arsenal fan of going, we get 350 million a year to sign Jack Grealish yeah. and everyone else that we want. You know, I think that is the only benefit because mm. you are talking about ring, ring fencing the current European elite. Mm. And, and I think this idea that the, the money would trickle down into the pyramid, and you know, I just don't buy it. I just don't. That's a lovely idea that has been told to many people in capitalism many, many times. It's just not going to happen. Oh, yeah. The mon- but, unfortunately- but like the phrase says, like the phrase says, everybody loves capitalism until somebody comes along and does capitalism better. So these True. six clubs have figured out a way of taking out UEFA and the middleman and running the competition themselves so they don't have to get rid of all this stupid money, you know, because... Th- there is a reason that UEFA have been able to find an extra four billion euros or something in the coffers to help fund new reform. So yeah. there is a lot of issues. There is a lot of, and I'm not, I, again, like I said in the last episode, I'm fervently against this as a traditionalist and a purist of the game. Mm. It, it would be the final nail in the coffin per se of sport being a meritocracy. Sports mm. already kind of got stage four, and is needing some chemo fast because we are in a situation where very, very, very rapidly certain clubs cannot catch the spending power of these European mm. elite. Mm. But it would be that final nail. So I, I other than the selfish one, I, I really do see zero positives in this. Mm. From an Arsenal perspective then, so kind of going down that selfish route, mm. what is... What does the events of these days, these past few days, kind of mean for us as a club? I mean, we've seen the the way we've, we've responded. There's been rumours that Vinay has um, has come back to the execs and, and apologised for the way Arsenal have acted and stuff. Apparently, those were described as quite difficult conversations or awkward conversations, which is sort of fair enough. Mm. Um, we've had Arteta's response, which I thought he navigated the press conference really, really well. 
what where does this leave arsenal like you know specifically arsenal like how do we how do we move forward from this and i imagine this will come into a conversation about the cronkies and 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 that sort of side of things but as a club you know josh cronkie when he came into the club said something along the lines of uh what did he say he said oh here we go uh yeah he said uh if i would not call us well no it was in july 2019 when he took full ownership i would not call us owners i would say that we're custodians of the club in an ownership position you have to be aware of the values and traditions of the club we want to be custodians of those as we move forward i think that sport stands for competition it stands for respect and it stands for a lot of different things that can be attributed to the rest of your life teamwork honor integrity well, it's just proved that he's talking absolute fucking wham. Like, yeah, it, because and I, it's talking a good game and actually doing it are two very different things. And I think what the Cronkies have seen is that you cannot successfully run a club on a self-sustaining model unless you bring in the financial revenue of Manchester United. Because, for example, Swiss Ramble on Twitter has come up with all of this information through deep dives and whatever into the financial situations of all clubs from the year 2008 to 2018 United were financed 20% by ownership and 80% by kind of revenue of the club and Arsenal were 100% run off of the money that it made and I think what the Cronkies saw with this competition and this opportunity was to boost that that revenue by 350 million quid a year after seeing the steady decline of Arsenal with mm. this self-sustaining model. Um, and, you know, on these like league positions that I've got written down, it is no surprise that when you've got oil barons like um, Abramovich coming in in 2003 and out of the 28 Premier League seasons, they'd finished in the top four maybe twice, I think, before he came in. Mm. And now they've got five league titles and they've got the second most league titles in the country currently, apart from when City will equal them at the end of this year. So, like, they've seen an opportunity to get us back on the spending, to kind of to get us back at the same spending power as a lot of these clubs, or at least, but would still be below that because all these clubs would be spending the money, but at least able to spend more money than we currently can without them having to kind of finance anything. Mm. I think what this means for Arsenal is that it's crystal clear that we will not progress any more than luckily getting into the top four like a Leicester or like a West Ham on a down season every now and again until the Cronkies go. And I think that that has now become crystal clear. And I think mm. it's also become crystal clear that the Cronkies need to go because they, they do not uphold the traditions and the history and the class of Arsenal. You know, we used to be, people used to joke and call us class and all because mm. we did things the right way. And the when FFP was introduced... You know, when FFP was introduced, we we stuck by those rules and we were laughed at by clubs breaking those rules. And this is why I have respect for Gary Neville. But Gary Neville can also fuck off because he used his opportunity to start taking cheap jibes at clubs that have run themselves in a more respectable manner than Manchester United have in the last 20 years. You know, the United have spent a billion pounds in the last 10 years and they've out of the eight seasons or however many seasons since they last won the league, they've finished above us three times and we've finished above them four or five, mm, including. Mm. So I have a real issue with that. But it, it what this whole situation has shown us is that the Cronkies do not align with what Arsenal means. And so it is time 
if we can get them out or if somebody else is interested to put a bid on the table and to get these people out. I think it's also time that we start talking about the 50 plus one rule in this country, Mm. because that would also take away the idea that would that would come up with other issues because then it, it mainly becomes, you know, how much revenue clubs make and automatically clubs like Arsenal. Manchester United and Liverpool would shoot straight back to the top because we make the most revenue in this country. And, you know, smaller clubs like Bournemouth, if they come back up this season with the small stadium that they have, would really struggle. Yeah. But the 50 plus one rule is the exact reason that the German clubs didn't join. So having that power... Yeah, depending, depending on what you so believe. Important. <laughs> I mean, depending on what you believe, but I think that that's very, very obvious because if you yeah. own... If you don't own a hunt, like over 50% of something, you can't... You don't mm. have the majority vote. So it mm. would always be put to a vote. And then if the fans are against it, at least enough of them, they can they can go against it. Yeah. I think um, for me, the, the, the future, that the, there has to be independent regulators and more rigorous mm. checks on owners and a kind of more over the head and, 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 government-based and led approach to this because you're you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to self-police the premier league are not going to be able to without restricting and the fa without without you know that you but that those organizations there's only once once someone's in they're in you know Cronky will just find a way to to get around it and stuff and and until it's not it's not sell he doesn't have to exactly you can't for example there there can't be a government order to force somebody to sell because no, they, but, they, but they it's can, their property. But there can be a government order to, you know, in some way future-proof this thing that that, that works. Yeah. And it's not about going, you know, oh, preserve exactly what we have. Things change. Of course they change. The Premier League should evolve, adapt, maybe even become a new competition. But the things that should never, ever, 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 ever change are fan involvement, the jeopardy of the sport and the, the merits of the sport and the most important thing being on the pitch performance. That is the most mm-hmm. and crucial thing. And the yep. idea that fa- fans are in, uh, in, yeah, as I said, you know, fans involved, but fans involved in a way that is meaningful and, um, and, and included. And whether it's a 50 plus one thing, I don't know, but surely, you know, um, there was a, a campaign from, from, from Jeremy Corbyn, like him or loathe him, whatever, there was a campaign in his uh, election um, sort of uh, his election campaign when he was talking about, you know, getting fans more involved in clubs. I don't know what the answer is, but the answer to no. me doesn't feel like um, more of the same and and self-regulation and going, well, let's just do more rigorous checks on owners. No, it's about going, making it literally illegal for an owner of a football club, you know, however you do it, to for example, not consult with fans before they make a decision like that. You know, it, however you want to do it, but there needs to mm-hmm. be some kind of bureaucratic involvement because otherwise you just get to a point where you have six people and actually it sounds like in this case, three people, three American people, and I only use the word American not in a pejorative way to say that their sporting influence and their sporting ideas come from a franchise-based model. That's an American thing. That mm. has its merits. But in England... <laughs> Brexit means Brexit. 
That's not the way things have been run. And the reason it's so successful is because of the jeopardy, is because of the idea that a club like Nottingham Forest, a club like Preston North End can be a sleeping giant for how many more years? And if there's a whole redemption story, you know, look at Leeds, look at the story with Leicester, look at all of these things. Look at Bournemouth, look at Sheffield United. Look at Bournemouth. Football fans are dreamers. We want to dream. Like I dream as an Arsenal fan. We're shit right now. There is no covering that. It's the hope. The hope keeps this podcast going, Brad. No, but honestly, that is the thing that makes football enjoyable is that dream and that hope that one day we will right the wrong of the 2006 final and win the fucking Champions League. Yeah, it's it's things like that. And, you know, if you're a Wigan fan who was once in the Premier League and is now in League One, my dad is a Sunderland fan who suffered double relegation and his hope. And the thing that keeps him invested in the sport is that one day he might be able to get back to the top. If you remove that and turn it into an NBA system where basically the only thing that matters is getting to the playoffs. If you're shit and you're never getting to the playoffs, the sport doesn't matter to you. Mm. And that's why the Premier League and football in general across every kind of country and continent is so successful as a sport there's a reason that the world cup final is is the most watched sporting event in history you know with something like nearly two billion viewers or something stupid because we are all invested Mm. because we want these we 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 yearn for success as fans And it gives us something to believe in. And as soon as you take that away, it's the reason that the MLS is fucking shit. There's no relegation. There's a weird playoff system. And then I think they win a cup. Like, no one cares. But there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, American fans who love the English game. Absolutely. Um, Just two more things before we sort of close out this conversation. So I just want to talk about the new UCL format, which will take um, charge from, uh, take, what's the word? come into effect from 2024, 2025. Um, there's a whole conversation around, you know, was this all to to increase the slice of the pie um, with the Champions League? I think there's probably a huge, huge uh, mm. amount of this that, that did come with that. It's going to become a sort of league-based thing. Um, and then from the last 16, it will be as it was, essentially Not from the round of 16 yeah. onward, the competition will continue to follow its existing format. Um, more games, uh the league means that the games have a bit more meaning. Um, my only concern with it is the amount of games, but yeah. I think we are moving anyway into a into a situation where clubs just have bigger squads. And I think that's kind of okay, mm. especially you know, especially when if you, if we're going to have more revenues and more um, involvement from um, well, more money from from the kind of the, the 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 Champions League. You know, if they're getting four billion for doing the Champions League or more than 4 billion and the winner only gets 100 million. I think that there's a right to go. The only reason people are watching this competition is because we're in it. So, but yeah, what do you think of the new changes? The Champions League has needed reform for a while. Um, Mainly because in the current Champions League format, if you get through the group stage to the round of 16, you earn more money and get more money than if you win the Europa League. That's a big, big issue. You know, the fact that you can win a European competition on one end and fluke your way to getting an easy group and then getting through an easy group and get more money than somebody who's could have gone through a harder run than you've had the entire time. You know, also, I think the integrity of the, the Champions League is a big issue when you kind of and I mean this from a point of view, like 
with all respect to Slavia Prague or to Ludogorets or to Red Star Belgrade, one of the reasons that the Super League chat has come about is, and it's no surprise that it's come about from United, Arsenal and Liverpool, three teams who in the last kind of decade, two decades, have spent either time in it and then dropped out of it for a while, you know. After 2013, United had to get used to not being in it every year and the financial implications that that has. And uh, the same with all of all, all of the bigger clubs in the Premier League. And that's a big hit for some of those clubs, especially a club like Arsenal, which is run purely off of the money it generates. And I think what a lot of the owners of the clubs would kind of went was, we are in the toughest league in the world. And we could finish fifth, one point outside of the Champions League spots like Unai Emery did with Arsenal. And we could be massively financially punished for that. And a club like Ludogorets, a club like Slavia Prague can walk their home league and get automatic qualification. Where is the fairness? And we did, yeah. Part of me agrees with that because at the end of the day, I think there has to one day come a system where the amount of positions you are given for these elite mm. competitions is given on a basis of how important yeah. and how hard your league is because the premier league is the hardest league in the world it has the most money it has probably per team the most talent you know there's a reason that people levy the idea that messi isn't the greatest in the world because he's only ever done it against kind of osasuna mm-hmm. every other week and kind of Deportivo yeah. La Coruña and all of these clubs who realistically aren't as much of a challenge as facing a Leeds in this country or um, a, a Brighton or do you know what I mean? So I think that that's why we're coming to this. But I, I, with the UCL format, I, 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 yeah. part of me likes the fact it's turning into a league because yeah. it will no longer be a situation where you can get a lucky fluke of a group and just walk through it. It will become... Yeah, 100%. more based on your performances against everyone rather than just three other random teams. Um, and, you know, there's talk of coefficient spots at the moment, you know, who whoever having the most UEFA coefficient, basically how big you are or how historical a club you are, you might get in based off of that. I would just rather see a situation where kind of there are more positions handed out to more important leagues. Like I think the Premier League should probably have five, if not six clubs that go every season. And that's not even me as an Arsenal fan saying Arsenal should go. I'm saying that if Leicester finish fifth this season and don't get a chance to play in the Champions League and Slavia Prague win their league, which they will because they have done every year for probably the last 75 years because the only people they play against are farmers that's that's an injustice within sport in itself yeah there the, there should be a, a certain re- readjustment yeah 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 there should be and I, I i do think the premier league probably needs certainly five if not six spots i mean you listen you look at okay in in italy um they i think the top team don't get as much as the bottom team in england you know every year for you know for for winning the league so it's it, there's a clear imbalance. And I think also with that, there is um, a certain worry. That, you know, you have teams like Ajax and to an extent Celtic until recent. You don't want that. You want other leagues to be able to be um, competitive with our league and stuff. And, and because otherwise you just become, well, an English team's going to win the Champions League. And I'm not saying that will happen soon. But if the Premier League keeps, you know, going in the way it's going, 
I wonder whether the other leagues just completely fall by the wayside. And if you're not being challenged every week, how do you expect Real Madrid and Barcelona to keep up? Or how do you expect Juventus or whatever to keep up? And and I know that sounds a bit ridiculous at the moment, but sit four, five, six years down the line, who knows? Um, you know, with Everton and, and and clubs in the Premier League just getting bigger and stronger every single year. Um, just a final one on the British Premier League. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So this is basically the idea that Celtic and Rangers would come into our league. I'm I'm quite supportive of it, to be honest. I, I don't mind it. Uh, I don't know if it could happen, purely because, obviously, you have a Scottish league system. I don't know if it's more than one league, but I'm, I'm guessing it is. Um, probably like a Scottish league and a Scottish championship. Otherwise, if there's no relegation up there, what again, what would be the point? And then also, I'm trying to think, we've already got the Welsh clubs kind of involved in our league system. It's just, where would you place them? It, it's, it's where would you place them, you know, purely on the basis that, for example, Celtic and Rangers would probably, probably be middle to bottom Premier League clubs. And then you would have to filter through the rest of the, um, the rest of the fam, the rest of the clubs, uh, into kind of the championship and League One, and I see a lot of stumbling blocks in that because do you increase the size of certain leagues involving more games for players? I, I personally just don't see how it would happen, and I also personally don't see how clubs like Celtic and Rangers would allow that to happen because they. And this is the issue with the way that the Champions League is run. C- Celtic and Rangers have such a monopoly that they have such an easy ride to getting to the top and to getting in the Champions League, which is why, you know, the first teams that we saw from England talking about coming out were no surprise the two owned clubs that have pumped more money in than anyone else. Because it doesn't affect Man City, because Man City are owned by a country and they'll pump as much money in as they want to stay at the top. That's why we saw PSG not, you know, join. One, because, you know, Qatar's holding the World Cup and they don't want to lose that. But two, because they're going to win the, the Liga pretty much every season. If not, they will definitely finish in the top four every season. It's the same with Bayern Munich. There's no issue with that because they know it's an easy ride to at least getting in the Champions League. And I think it's the same with Celtic and Rangers. What they'll do is they'll look at the situation and go, we can win a league title in Scotland either every year or every other year or every three years but we can pretty much guarantee ourselves Champions League football or we can join the Premier League and we will be a middle to bottom side. We won't get back in the Champions League and that could financially decimate us when we're moving forward and what to do moving forward. So I think the British Premier League, I just really don't see happening. I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I think I think if it's going to be a two horse race every year for the next however many years and they know they can get a bigger slice of the money if they come south of the border kind of thing. I just think they'll think, do you know what, short-term pain, long-term gain. We're going to get more money. We're going to be able to invest in the club. We're going to be able to invest in the infrastructure of the club. Yes, our on-pitch stuff will suffer, but long-term, this is going to be best for us because we can't stay in an unhealthy league where there's no competition, there's not enough money. What does that do? Yes, okay, we get Champions League every season, but we get knocked out. Why not get more money, more slice of the Premier League TV deal? and do it that way and I, I think there's a there's a certain amount of sense in that i but think it yeah, depends maybe. on financial parity doesn't it because say for example you get more money for being in the championship for, for being in the champions league and winning the scottish premier league than you do for being 16th in the premier league say it it really does depend on the real nitty-gritty of the financials yeah it will just come and down if to cash once, whichever side weighs out the other is what will happen 
I think, basically. I think so too. All right, Brad, good discussion. We'll end it there. We're having some connectivity issues. Um, Thanks for listening. Good chat. And we'll see you soon. That was... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, Yeah, good chat. Uh, Thank God this didn't happen. Yes. Sorry, yeah, sorry. This is going to be really disjointed because I think we've been talking over each other at least twice in this podcast. No worries. No worries. (laughs) But uh, we'll figure it out. But yeah. All right, bro. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon. Oh, hello, mate. You've popped back. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.